to the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation chapter 1. We're beginning a new series today and I've entitled the series, Seeing Jesus Like Never Before. How many like that idea? Amen? We're living in a time when we need to see Jesus in a fresh way. Amen? We need to see him in all his glory, all his power and might, all his love and his grace and his mercy. I just want a greater revelation of Jesus in my life than ever before. The things that we're facing are difficult. The coronavirus continues and people still get sick. And in fact, this week, uh, one of my dear friends, uh, Pastor Faye uh, Nyman, went to be with Jesus. And she's a tremendous loss for our district. And she was just a mighty woman of God and ministered in so many ways to so many people. So we're still in the midst of a battle. But the battle belongs to the Lord. Amen. And so as we begin this series, I love Joshua and I love that series. And I was thinking, Lord, where do I go from here? Because I just love Joshua and the, the victory that God has for us to live in. And as I was praying and just studying the Lord led me here and and I think we're going to get a fresh revelation of Jesus because he we need one in these last days amen so turn to revelation with me now when you say the book of revelation some people say oh yeah and others go oh me <laughs> for some of us it, it gets us excited because we we know that it speaks of of uh, things that are taking place in the ultimate victory of Jesus Christ. Amen? But there are also visions that God gave John that in this book, that, that visions of what's going to take place in the last days, there's going to be some terrible things that, that come into our world. But we see the ultimate victory of our Lord and Savior. Amen? So as we look at, at Revelation today, I hope that you're one of the ones that says, oh yeah, and not oh me. Let's look, I'm going to just read a few verses out of chapter 1. I want to start with verse 1 through 3 and then jump down to verse 9 through 18. So let's read together. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. Notice what John was doing. He's bearing witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. To all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy. So right now, you're getting a blessing, and I'm getting a double blessing. <laughs> and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Church, we need to recognize whether Jesus comes back today, or 200 years from now, or 2,000 years from now, we are to live in a way and in a manner that we recognize he's coming soon. Amen? Look at verse 9. I, John, 
both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and uh, patience of Jesus Christ was on the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. Now, there's several things we're going to come back and look at in that. But I like the fact he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. The Lord's day is referring to Sunday. It's, it's, the church was celebrating the resurrection. They gathered on the Lord's day. And he was in the Spirit. Church, I don't ever want to come and just have church. To go through the motions. I want to come on the Lord's day and experience the presence and the power of His Spirit. Amen? And that's what John was experiencing. And I love this. John was in a penal colony. John wasn't there doing his happy dance saying everything's going great. But yet, even in this horrible circumstance, the presence and the power of God was there lifting him up. It doesn't matter what you're going through today, the Spirit of God can come and lift you out of that, whatever it is. And John was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. I love that. Verse 11 says, saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, and what you see written in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen. And I have the keys of Haiti and of death. Lord, we just ask you to bless your word, let it come alive in our hearts and bring blessing to each and every one of us today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. When we, when we come to the book of Revelation, many times there's a tendency among God's people to, to, to look and to see all of the different visions and what we read and what is taking place so that we can relate them to where we are in the scope of time. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, 
But we need to remember what Jesus said in Matthew 24 concerning the end of the age. In Matthew 24, verse 42, Jesus said, Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. In verse 44, he says, Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So we need to expect that Jesus could come anytime. We need to live that way. And, and we need to prepare, Lord, whatever tomorrow holds, Lord, whatever happens, Lord, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be ready for your return. He's saying there, I'm coming quickly, so be ready. And church, with all the things that are going in our world today, it's easy for us to believe that Jesus could return very, very soon. Amen. And I believe that, that just like John, the Lord wants to give us a fresh revelation to see Jesus like we've never seen Jesus before in preparing us for what God has coming in the future. Whether we're caught up in the rapture very quickly or whether we endure some things in this world that aren't pleasant. How many realize there are Christians that are being martyred today for their faith? Amen? In Afghanistan, it's horrible what has taken place. But they are they're coming against the Christians, the churches, and the pastors. And they're being martyred for their faith. And we can't discount that and say, well, our country will never have, that'll never happen. Because in our country today, there is a growing movement against Christians. It's evident. So we're going to be faced with that. Are we going to stand and be martyrs possibly someday for the Lord? Or are we going to bow down and cower and turn from our faith? So John was in a, in a difficult situation for his faith. Why was he in uh, in the penal colony. Why was he there? Because he was the leader of churches. Because he was a man of God. Because he was sharing the gospel. That's the only reason he was in the penal colony. That's the only reason. How many of us would say, I'm willing to be put in prison because I'm going to continue to share that Jesus Christ is Lord? We may face that someday. We don't know. But in, in this passage, there's, there's, there's an illustration that Jesus uses in Matthew chapter 25. I'm not going to read it for you, but in verse 14 through 30, it talks about a businessman who leaves the country. And he turns over his business to those that were working for him. He doesn't tell them when he's going to return. He doesn't tell them how long it's going to be. But he says, you have a responsibility to go and to do business in my name. And that is a powerful picture of where the church should be today. Amen? If, if Jesus comes back tomorrow, yes, I'm ready. Let's go to be with him in glory. But if it's, if it's, if it's not in my lifetime, I'm going to spend my life doing my father's business. I'm going to be living for him and, and doing the very best I can, having a heart that's open to him, welcoming him to, to work in my life and work through my life. I want to be about my father's business. 
And that's the, that's the picture that Jesus leaves for us. Now, there's three things I want us to see as we begin this study. Look at verse 1 again. It starts off the revelation of Jesus Christ. It doesn't start out saying, this is the revelation of things to come. I want you to think about that. Now, it does tell us how history is going to conclude. It does tell us that Jesus is going to return. It tells us that we who know Him, who have come to Him and received Him as our Lord and Savior, that we're going to be with Him throughout eternity in glory. It also tells us that there is going to be a a place that is separated from God, separated from His love, separated from His grace, separated from His mercy. It's a place that God created not for man, but for the devil and his angels, and hell is a real place. You don't hear that much in church. But Jesus talked about it a lot. And as Christians, we need to understand, yes, we're headed for an eternity with Him, but there are still millions of people in this world that need to know Jesus. And so this this book is about revelation of Jesus. It's about uh, unveiling that we see Jesus in all His glory. And John experiences Jesus' presence, His power, His glory in a way that was greater than he had ever experienced Jesus before. And church, I don't know about you, but that's my heart. That's my desire. How many realize that every one of us in this room need Jesus? How many realize that everyone in our community needs Jesus? Everyone in our state needs Jesus. I'll be the first to tell you, I need Jesus. Without Him, I'm nothing. I want a fresh revelation of Jesus in my life. I want our church to experience a fresh revelation of Him. The second thing I want us to see is the book of Revelation is a letter that is for the last generation. It's written for the last generation. What's going to take place? But actually, it is for all of us in the sense that this is our last generation. This is our only life. This is our only opportunity to make a difference in the world. It's our only opportunity to be world changers. Amen? And so, let's be about our Father's business. Amen? Let's, let's be ready when Jesus comes. Until then, we're going to go about doing the business of our Lord and Savior. We're going to share His love and share His life. The third thing, I want us to see how John describes himself. Look at verse 9. He says, I, John, both your brother and companion. Your brother and companion. He's talking about a closeness of the family of God. In the times that we live in church, we need to be close. We need to be supportive. We need to be a family. The church should be closer than many of our family members if they they don't know Jesus. Because we are family. 
because of the blood of Jesus. John describes himself as a brother and companion. Get this, in the tribulation. In the tribulation. Now he's not talking about the tribulation that later is going to be revealed in the book of Revelation. In fact, the word there is philipsis. And what it means in the Greek is affliction, distress, pressure, or burden. He's talking about the everyday tribulation that all of us experience from time to time in life. He's saying, I'm a brother just like you. He's not saying, I'm an apostle and my life is perfect. Poor you and ha ha me. No, he's saying, I suffer tribulation just like you do. But I want you to know I'm your brother, I'm your companion, I'm with you. And guess what? He doesn't stop there. Sometimes Christians want to stop right there. Oh, woe is me. Tribulation. And we get that Eeyore face. And we get that whine. Woe is me. And then we get together and we share our woes with one another. Guess what I'm going through right now? Well, I've got one better than that. I'm going through this. You know it. That's the humanness. That's our tendency, right? But John doesn't stop there. I love this. I want you to get this in your heart. Look what he says. He, he says, I'm your brother and companion in the tribulation, but he doesn't stop there in the tribulations of life. He goes on and says, and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. In other words, he acknowledges we go through tribulation, but he says, but guess what? I'm a part of the kingdom of God. I live my life in the patience of the Lord Jesus Christ. And whatever a tribulation I face, I know that God is greater. I know this isn't all there is. I know that there's a heaven waiting for me. Amen? Don't live your life stuck in the tribulation. Just like if anybody had a reason to get stuck in the tribulation of life, it was John. He was in a penal colony for his faith. He hadn't uh, done any criminal acts, but he didn't get stuck there. He says, I'm a part of the kingdom. And he's saying, brother and companion, you're part of the kingdom too. Amen. Don't you love that? And then he goes on. He says that I was on the island that is called Patmos. Now Patmos was a penal colony. I mentioned that. But at this time it wasn't known very well. That's why he words it the way he does. He says on the island that is called Patmos. If it had been something that was just generally known through the public he wouldn't have had to say it was an island. Now, if, if you're traveling somewhere down south and, and they ask where you're from, most of us wouldn't say, what well, Watsilla, Palmer, Big Lake. We'd probably say, well, I'm from a town that's about 45 miles north 
of Anchorage called, right? We describe it because a lot of people haven't heard of Wasilla or Palmer or Big Lake or Sutton or whatever. And that's what John is doing here. He is, he's describing it so that, so that they would understand. And then he goes on and says, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now this is, this is fascinating to me. He says, I'm here, I'm in this penal colony for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. He understood he wasn't being punished even though it was an unpleasant experience. And he's not saying that God did this to me, but he is saying God allowed this in my life. God is separating me for the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. He's saying God is still in control. He still has a plan and purpose even though I'm in the penal colony and I'm not enjoying it. I'm still part of the kingdom. God's still working and I'm trusting Him. And that's the attitude we need to have in these last days. I love that. Now John had been put in prison by Emperor Domitian. Now the Emperor, Roman Emperor Domitian had been emperor for about 12 to 13 years by this time. And there was great persecution of Christians during this time. And this is when John was arrested. He was the leader of seven churches which would be in southwest Turkey today, that area. And they had taken him and imprisoned him. Now I want you to think about this. What was John probably thinking? And have we ever been in this place? He's probably thinking, John was at least 85 years old, possibly as old as 90 years. John had been with Jesus as a young man. Many Bible scholars think he was around 20 years old. He was, would have still been in his, in his early 20s when Jesus died. He had a close, intimate relationship with Jesus. And now he's at the end of his life or it's drawing close. All the other apostles were martyred by now. He was the last remaining apostle. Now, what would you be thinking if you were in that penal colony, you were 85 to 90 years old, you'd probably be thinking, well, I'm probably going to spend the rest of my life, no matter how long it is, right here. Right? And many times we come to that point in our life where we think, well, this is just the way life's going to be. This is just the, the job I'm going to have. This is just the, the home I'm going to have. This is just the, the uh, life that, that I'm going to have. It's not really going to change much. But what's interesting in this passage about John is the fact that his life wasn't over yet. God still had something great for him to do, but he couldn't see it. 
And there's a powerful message for us. No matter how you feel stuck in life right now, it doesn't mean God doesn't have something greater for you. Are you with me? It doesn't matter right now if you're 85 or you're 90. There's still something God has for you. And and John, I knew I'd get an amen out of Hank for that. (laughs) And Hank, I pray for the spirit of Caleb to be upon you. That you'll have the strength of a 40-year-old man. But what's interesting, Paul probably thought, well, this is it, you know. I'm going to die on this island, this penal colony. Colony, But that's not what happened. What's interesting, that emperor would die in a short time. Nerva, another in, uh, emperor, would take over his position. And he, all the Christians that had been incarcerated would be set free. So God still had something for John to do. Don't you like that? And in fact, many Bible scholars believe that the book of John was actually written after this. And there's certain reasons why that many of them believe that. So I want you to think about it. The book of John is the single New Testament gospel that is most widely distributed for people to read when you're witnessing to them and desiring for them to know who Jesus is. Think about that still to this day. In fact, somebody donated recently a box of little pamphlets that contain the book of John in Spanish for Pastor Jose. And we still do it today. If there's just one gospel that we can give somebody, it's usually a pamphlet on the gospel of John. So his life wasn't over. His ministry wasn't over. In fact, it appears to many Bible scholars that the greatest gospel that we have today that's distributed to win people to Jesus was written after he left the penal colony. So church... Turn to somebody today and tell them, it ain't all over. (laughs) It's not, church. God still has things for you to do. John's ministry wasn't over. He was going to be released. He was still going to preach and teach the gospel. He was going to go forward. And it doesn't matter, church, how challenging you think your, your situation is today. You may have a challenge in your health or your marriage or your kids. It may be something that nobody knows about. But church, it's not all over. Amen. Even when times look difficult and bad, God's able to set it free. Set John free. He went forward. And God can set you free from your circumstances and to fulfill his plan for your life. I'm thankful for that. Look at verse 10. I mentioned this earlier. He says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. Now, I want us to think about that today. As of a trumpet. John wasn't, church, we need to understand this. John wasn't saying that this voice sounded like a musical instrument. That's not what he was saying. He was saying this voice was like a trumpet 
And as a Jewish boy that grew up, he understood the importance and significance of a trumpet in that time. And so I want us to get this in our hearts. I want us to see the importance of this trumpet. And so I'm going to have Mitch come today, and he's going to bring the shofar. If you're not familiar with a shofar, it's the oldest music instrument in the world today still being used. Go ahead and give us a blow on the trumpet. Okay, I want you to, to stay here because I'm going to have you blow it in for several times, okay? <laughs> you can sit down. Now I want us to think about this. What did that sound mean to Israel? There were multiple things that they would hear the sound of the trumpet for. One of the things that they readily would understand and interpret was that it was an observance of a celebration and that there was going to be a feast. There's going to be an ultimate celebration, church. There's going to be a feast called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. And we have our reservations there. Amen? That's what the trumpet signified, right? Amen? So, Mitch, you need to play it again. Now. So, hallelujah, we're going to celebrate. Amen. The marriage supper of the Lamb is being prepared for us. We're going to be there for that. The trumpet also in this culture, it, it signified that the leaders needed to be called together. It also had to do with the whole congregation being called. The people of Israel would, be come, would come and be gathered together. It was an announcement that the leadership needed to come together in unity. The people needed to come together in unity. And it also sounded that there was an impending war that was going to take place. In other words, they were to come together and prepare for battle. Does anybody see how that relates to us today? Amen. And the voice that he heard was like a trumpet. Amen. So it's calling his children together. It's calling the leaders together. It's calling us to prepare for battle. And the battle belongs to the Lord. Ship blow the shofar again. Come on. Amen. From now on, as the Spirit moves, you just give it a blow, okay? Because I don't want to have to tell you anymore. It was preparing them for battle. It was also blown in the time of the wilderness. The trumpet would sound forth, and it was a call to the congregation to get ready to pack up because they were fixing to move forward. They were going forward. And church, 
the sound of the voice of the Lord to us today is signifying that His church is going forward. It's time to pack up and get ready. We're going to move forward for the kingdom of God. Come on, come on. So church, get ready. Get ready. And I want to, I love that. Did you, did you know that this is the first time in all my years of study that God has given me that revelation? And I just loved it. The voice was like a trumpet. So the voice of the Lord that John heard, it was a call that there's going to be a great celebration. There's going to be a feast that we're going to. It was calling the congregation and the leaders to come together in unity to work together and to prepare for battle. There's a great end time battle that's going to take place, church, but we already know who wins. And it was calling them to prepare, to pack up, and to move forward. And church, that's a call for our church today. Amen? That's a call for our... Somebody needs to blow the shofar. Come on, Mitch, blow it again. I love that. <laughs> I love it. In fact, I could just stay right here in this pa passage for a while. But I'm not. I'm going to go on. But if you feel the urge, Mitch, let it rip. In verse 11, it says, Saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. These are the first and last letters in the Greek alphabet. God is saying he's the beginning and the end. He's the one that controls all time, all space, all eternity. He controls it. All the things in human history are going to play out according to his plan, church. It doesn't matter what mighty man or power or government tries to do in this world. It's not going to foil God's plan. God's plan is going to come to pass. Now you're getting the hang of it. And so church, I, God's saying there's more ahead. It's an exciting time for the church. It's a time when we're getting ready to move forward. We're getting ready to go and see what God's got for us. Now look at verse 18. He says, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. Church, I've experienced a lot of sorrow just in the last month. I've experienced funerals and, and death in, in close people that were close to me and relatives. But this reassures me. God says, He has the keys of hell and of death. And church, He is in control. And we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear in these last days. If we're imprisoned, if we're martyred for our faith, we're going to be with Jesus in an instant. And he's reassuring us in this, in this verse that he's in control. He knows all the challenges ahead. Now look at verse 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet dead. 
But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. John was overwhelmed by the presence of Jesus. When he saw him and he had this encounter, he fell at his feet as dead. Church, I pray that the presence of the Lord is so manifest in our church and in our lives that people can't help but experience His presence in a powerful way. I pray that you can't get away from Jesus in our church. Amen? You can't get away from Jesus in our community. I want people to... There was a prophecy that... that, uh, Brother Mahalski, before he passed away, the last time he was in church with us here, and his wife Sarah is going to be with us in November. But he gave a powerful prophecy, and he told me, Mitch, the Lord just showed him people that were driving from Anchorage to Fairbanks. And that the presence of Jesus was so powerful in the valley that they pulled over and they couldn't drive and just begin to weep in the presence of God. That's what John was experiencing. And I believe in the last days, he said, he's going to pour his spirit out on all flesh. And I want to experience his power and his glory in a way that's greater than anything I've ever experienced. Amen. He says, and he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Church, when God starts moving in power, it can be a little frightening. When you see God doing miracles and His presence overwhelms you, you recognize it's not human, it's supernatural. But notice, And he touched him and said, don't be afraid. There's a message there, church. When God brings revival, don't be afraid, but let his hand just rest upon you and bring assurance that it's okay. I love that. That's God's heart. In verse 13, John is seeing Jesus in all His glory. He'd never seen Jesus like this before. It says, One like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. The garment was the garment of a master, not the garment of a servant. When Jesus returns, He's coming as the Lord of glory. The golden band is more than decorative. It speaks of purity. It speaks of perfection. And Jesus is perfect. Today, there's many different religions in the world. And they all profess to be, have great leaders who initiated these religions. Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He came to save the world. 
He came to deal with our sin, and the world has a sin problem. We may not like to admit it, but evil exists. Sin exists. And Jesus came that his blood would be shed, that we could be set free and cleansed from all unrighteousness. Amen. And in him we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what the word says. Verse 14. It says his head and hair were like were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His hair and his head were glowing with a mantle of Shekinah glory. It's the glory of God radiating from him. Church, I want to I want to experience God's glory. Amen. One of, my, one of my mentors, Pastor Jack Hayford, tells a great story about the church there in Van Nuys, California. I've never forgotten. The... He said they were having prayer on Saturday night before a Sunday service, just him and a handful of his leaders. They were praying. And he said everybody had gone and he opened the door to walk back into the auditorium and he said he saw a shimmering mist all over the floor just hovering all over the sanctuary. And he said, being the spiritual man of God I was, I thought we had air conditioning problems. <laughs> he said, I shut the door, then I opened it, looked back in there again, he said, I, I saw just a shimmering green cloud all over the auditorium. And he said, then it dawned on me. It was God's glory. And he said, the Lord spoke to, to him and he said these words. He says, I have given my glory to dwell in this place. And ever since I heard that testimony from Pastor Jack, that has been my prayer. God, give your glory to dwell in this place. That we can encounter you. The people will be saved and healed and set free. Pastor Jack goes on and he says, he, says, I, he said, I really didn't know what to expect. I knew what the Lord had, had told me, but he said I was kind of shy to even tell anybody. But he said the very next Sunday, he walked in the door and there had been just about, I think, uh, 50 people in that church. And he said the next Sunday he walked in and there were like 150. And he's looking around and he goes, where did all these people come from? What are they doing here? And the Lord reminded him, I've given my glory to dwell in this place. And church, I want you to join me in praying that prayer. Lord, give us your glory dwell in this place. Lord, let your glory be a covering over us. Lord, we're not here for a worship team, a pastor, or just to see friends. Lord, we're here to encounter you. And Lord, we want to see you in a fresh way, in a greater glimpse than we've ever seen you before. It also says his eyes were like a flame of fire. 
that speaks of the warmth. When you look into someone's eyes, you can, you can see some, you know, into their life in a, in a real sense. You can tell what they're, they're thinking a lot of times or how they're feeling. And, and in this, I, I see the Lord's love for us and His grace and His mercy, His, the warmth of His presence. But at the same time, I see that penetrating knowledge and all-knowing God where there's nothing in our lives that He doesn't know. There's nothing we can hide from Him. He's omniscient. He knows everything and He sees it all. In verse 15, it says, His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and His voice is the sound of many waters. His feet like fine brass. That, that speaks of His feet going through the suffering and of, of Calvary, what He went through. Those feet were nailed to the cross. But now those feet that were nailed to the cross that paid for our sin, are now in ultimate dominion over everything. Amen? When the Bible talks about feet, the one with their feet on top of something is the one that's in control, the one that has dominion, authority, and power over whatever those feet are, feet are over, right? And that is the picture that we have here, that Jesus' feet are in total and complete victory and dominion. It also talks about his voice as the sound of many waters. The, th the sound of his voice is greater than all the noise of the world. <laughs> the world can get pretty loud sometimes, amen? The world has all of its, its noise going on and, and its noise around you and the lies of the enemy being poured out on you and, and all the things that the enemy would say that, that are against you and trying to bring us down, trying to get us to, to give up and to, to just grow weary in our well-doing. But the, the voice of the Lord is like a thousand waterfalls that cannot be quenched. It cannot be done away with. The voice of the Lord penetrates everything, everywhere. All we have to do is say, Lord, let me hear your voice. Amen. I want the worship team to come. Mitch, bring the shofar. Church, I want you to know how much I love you and appreciate you. And I want you to know God is sounding the alarm for us to prepare to get, get everything packed up for us to go forward. We're not going to hide. We're not going to run. We're going to go forward. Amen? It's a call that there's a battle that's imminent. And that we're preparing for the battle. We're suiting up in the full armor of God. We're going to march forward. And we're going to follow our leader all the way to victory. Amen. I want you to stand with me. If you're here with us to, today and, and you need a prayer that you want to agree with someone in prayer. We have an awesome prayer team that loves the Lord and loves to pray with people. 
And I'm going to ask our prayer team to come, some at the front and some at the back of the auditorium, so that you can slip out and, and meet them and just agree with them in whatever need that you have today. But as they're coming and before the worship team leads us in a, in a closing song of worship, I just want to pray for you. I want you just to agree with me in prayer. Father, I just thank You for Your Word. Lord, I thank You that we have been blessed today because we have heard Your Word. And Lord, I thank You for what You have spoken to us today. Lord, that Your voice is like a trumpet. Lord, that Your voice is calling us to get ready. Lord, that Your voice is going to lead us to victory. Lord, that it's calling us to the great celebration around the throne of God and to, Lord, the wonderful feast that we're going to have with You one day at the Lord's table. Lord, I just pray right now that You would encourage us, that You would strengthen us, Lord, that we would desire, Lord, to see You in a fresh way, in an exciting way, that we would have a greater revelation of who Jesus is and what You have done for us than we have ever had before. Lord, just like John, he had walked with you and talked with you. He'd been there on the Mount of Transfiguration. But now, there's a greater unveiling, a greater revelation of Jesus than he had ever experienced in his life. And Lord, that's what we hunger for. That's what we long for. Lord, we desire for that in our lives. Lord, just a fresh revelation of you. Lord, just let us see You in all Your glory. Lord, it's You we need. It's Your presence, Lord, just like John. We want to be in the Spirit. We desire to be overcome by Your presence. And Lord, we want to go forward for You. Lord, I just ask you to bless us, to challenge us, to encourage us. Lord, your word promises those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. And Lord, we hunger and we thirst for righteousness today. So fill us, Lord, in Jesus' name. As the worship team begins to lead us in worship, if you don't have a prayer need, just begin to share your, your heart with Jesus this morning. Just worship Him. And if you have a prayer need today, I want to just invite you to step out from where you are and come and pray with one of our team. There's several at the back and several at the front. We just want to pray with you before we close today. Whatever your need is, Jesus is the answer. Amen.